We have breaking news from Ukraine. Washington Post has this first. George Kent, a deputy assistant secretary of state, testified yesterday that he worried about Hunter Biden's position at the firm Burisma. And he worried that it would complicate efforts by U.S. diplomats to convey to Ukrainian officials the importance of avoiding conflicts of interest. Uh, This is uh, from multiple sources, spoke on the condition of anonymity because of confidentiality rules surrounding the deposition. And also they didn't want to get uh, murdered by Hillary Clinton. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's part of it. Kent said he had some concerns that Ukrainian officials would view Hunter Biden as a conduit for currying influence with his father, said the people. But when Kent raised the issue with Biden's office... He was told the then vice president didn't have the bandwidth to deal with the issue because his other son, Bo, was battling cancer. Now, look, that's a really serious thing and very difficult to do. However, as vice president of the United States, you know, you just don't you don't you can't really answer questions with I don't have the bandwidth. It's not one of your available responses. It's like when you're in the multiple choice test and you're taking like the SATs and you're just filling in C every time, hoping you can get a quarter of them right. There's never one when your vice president of the United States is, I don't really have the time. I don't really have the bandwidth to deal with that. It's not something you can do, despite the terrible uh, circumstances surrounding it. Kent is the first known example of a career diplomat who has raised concerns internally in the Obama administration about Hunter Biden's board position. A former senior Biden national security aide speaking on the condition of anonymity had no recollection of hearing about Kent's concerns and also never heard a concern raised by the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine at the time. The first time the aide recalls Hunter Biden's involvement surfacing as an issue was in December 2015. And this is going to be a nice little throwback for you. You're going to remember this one. Oh, we celebrated this almost daily back in these days when the vice president traveled to Ukraine to deliver an anti-corruption speech And the New York Times wrote about his son's role. You see, they heard about it on the news. Remember when every single thing in the Obama administration was was littered and attached to that excuse? We heard about it in the news. We had no idea it was even going on until the news told us. The corruption with, with Biden and Ukraine is a part of this larger story Glenn's been going over over the past few weeks. Uh, and it is, it's an important part, but it's not the entire story. It's the part of the story that very infrequently is talked about in the mainstream media. And that's partially why uh, the Washington post report from today is, is important. It's not, you know, it's not us saying it at some point, they're going to have to pick up the things that we're saying. People are talking about it. They're tweeting about it. They're, they're, they're pushing it out there. And, and the, the general population gets control of these stories. And then the, the mainstream media is forced to talk about them. Here is the first known example of an Obama official very specifically testifying that they warned the Biden administration about this corruption and nothing was done because the vice president and his office didn't have the bandwidth to deal with it. It's a fascinating early admission here, and it's just the beginning of this story. As we go on, it's a Glenn uh, in for uh, it's a stew in for Glenn. Glenn is actually. I like to do this whenever I fill in for Glenn. I like to to make up fake excuses, ridiculous excuses as to why he's not in today. The best thing about today is I don't have to do that. Glenn is out 
because he went to go see Lady Gaga in concert. This is this is not this is not a conspiracy theory. This is not something you're going to need to get the Washington Post to testify on later on. Glenn Beck is out. He's missing a day of breaking news where an Obama official testified they told Biden about this corruption and he didn't deal with it. He's out today because he went to Lady freaking Gaga. Man just does not care about America. All right, so Mick Mulvaney was the big story. Mick Mulvaney, yesterday, uh, the the media is going crazy over this. Uh, he did a press conference. He came out to talk about uh, about the quid pro quo, which I we have to do a montage of quid pro quo mentions because the the use of quid pro quo in the media was approximately once every six months until about two weeks ago. And now it's 75 times an hour. You cannot watch the news for five minutes and get past it without hearing quid pro quo said. And now they're starting to do the thing where they're like, well, that's the quid and that's the quo. We got it. We got it. You're trying to be cute. Quid pro quo. We got it. You're talking about it constantly. The idea here is Mulvaney admitted to the quid pro quo. Let's start here. This is him talking about politics and is there an influence of politics in foreign policy? This is a, a huge mistake from Mulvaney, and I'll explain why in a second. Here's uh, Mick Mulvaney yesterday. We were holding up money at the same time for, uh, what was it, the Northern Triangle com- countries. We were holding up aid at the Northern Triangle countries so that they, uh, so that they would change their policies on immigration. By, by the way, and this speaks, to a, this speaks to an important, I'm sorry, this speaks to an important point, because I heard this yesterday. And I can never remember the gentleman who tested. Was McKinney the guy? Is that his name? I don't, don't that know. Was his he name. testified mm-hmm. yesterday. Yes. And if you go, and if you believe the news reports, mm-hmm. okay, because we've not seen any transcripts of this. The only transcript I've seen was Sondland's testimony morning, this morning. If you read the news reports and you believe them, what did McKinney say yesterday? Well, McKinney said yesterday that he was really upset with mm-hmm. the political influence in foreign policy. Uh-oh. That was one of the reasons he was so upset about this. Oh, no. And I have news for everybody. Uh-oh. Get over it. Oh, oh, my. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear what he just said? Get over it? Are you kidding me? Get over it. Politics in foreign policy, uh, that is uh, absolutely unacceptable. He said get over it. He admitted it in front of the entire nation. This is a terrible mistake, my Mick Mulvaney. Um, and a lot of the, you know, the president's defenders are going to tell you he did a good job there. Terrible mistake there. He was actually honest. And you're not supposed to be doing that in Washington. This is a this is completely off limits apparently. You're not allowed to go out there and tell people what actually occurs because who would believe that there was any political interest when it comes to foreign policy? Sure, we're talking about politicians. So you'd think maybe politics would be involved in it. And sure, they all run campaigns and talk about their foreign policy and the politics surrounding it. But when they get into the office, they become pure they become these clean, crystal clear individuals who nev- have no agendas and never do anything other than just serve. That's the reality of Washington, guys. Of course politics are involved when it comes to foreign policy with every single president since the beginning of time. This is what 
politicians do. They do politics. Now, politics is not... Politics have a very bad reputation, largely because of politicians. But politics are the, the pursuit of, of what you believe the right thing to do is. That's what politics are when it comes to our government. This should not be a surprise. But he went on. He didn't just stop there. He admitted to the crime. Mick Mulvaney admitted to it in front of the country. Huge mistake here by Mulvaney. Once again, here he is talking about the quid pro quo. I'm talking Mr. Mr. Carl. Uh, That is going to happen. Elections have consequences. And foreign policy is going to change from the Obama administration to the Trump administration. And what you're seeing now, I believe is a group of mostly career uh, career bureaucrats who are saying, you know what, I don't like President Trump's politics, so I'm going to participate in this witch hunt that they're they're undertaking on the Hill. Hmm. Okay, that's not the right clip. When we play the the longer clip, does he have the long clip uh, pulled? It's the one with the quid pro quo. It was the uh, 243 clip, I believe, he pulled uh, earlier this morning. We talked to a little behind-the-scenes baseball here. Let me know if you have that. He talked about uh, having the quid pro quo... Because that was an important part of this, right? Like, and it was part of the defense initially, right? One of the the first thing was, oh, well, you know, this was, you know, they weren't talking about this, and then it got to, well, there was no quid pro quo. There was no quid pro quo, meaning they didn't give, they didn't hold back the money for Ukraine in exchange for anything. They held back the money uh, because they thought it was the right thing to do. It wasn't ex- in, in exchange for the uh, investigation of Biden. And uh, do we have the clip or I'll just explain it. Um, basically, he said uh, very... Okay, here we go. Let's hear it. Clear, you just described is a quid pro quo. It is Uh-oh. funding will not flow unless the investigation... I just said the, this, John Carl. ...the Democratic server mm-hmm. uh, happened as well. We, we, do, we do that all the time mm. with foreign policy. Uh-oh. We were holding up money at oh, the same time for, uh, what was it, the Northern Triangle. There it is. Countries. Okay, stop. So we do this all the time. There's a quid pro quo. We do this all the time. This is the admission of the crime to the media today. This is the whole case. He came out and he said, first they said no quid pro quo. John Carl said, hey, isn't that a quid pro quo? And he said, yeah, we do it all the time. Now, this is more of a problem with their initial defense, right, where they said there's a no quid pro quo. I don't know why they said that, especially considering what they knew was on you know, the call and the transcript of the call, where you know, he doesn't, it's not a specific quid pro quo, but he mentions the investigation very closely, and it's easy to read that if you want to. Okay, but here Mulvaney actually says it. Yes, we do this all the time. We hold back money all the time for outcomes of policy that we want from foreign countries. And he goes on to explain that, gives multiple examples. Let me give you another example of this. Here's Joe Biden talking and bragging in front of an audience about him engaging in quid pro quo. Listen. Okay. Well, we don't have that either. Wow, this is a good start to the show. We're off to a raging set. This is what happens when Glenn's not here. He's at Lady Gaga right now, and uh, people are just... Uh, the, the, I think everyone's asleep. Everyone's asleep. The, uh, do we have the video of uh, Biden from... We've played this with Ukraine a bunch of times, where he says... Uh, I think you've heard it before. This audience has already heard this stuff. Uh, it's in the special. Um, but basically, Biden says, yeah, I held back the billion dollars... So that they would fire this prosecutor. He's bragging about it on stage. It's actually the foundation 
at least from from my perspective, it was when we kind of got introduced to this Ukraine story in real terms. Because there were always rumors about Biden talking about, you know, uh, his son Hunter and all of the benefits that they got. There's a, that's always that's always been there. Um, however, it was really escalated when we uncovered, and I think believe it was John Solomon who initially uncovered it, audio and video of Joe Biden saying he did it. He said, "I will withhold a billion dollars from Ukraine unless you fire this prosecutor." Think about what's being said there. I will withhold money unless I get this outcome involving a prosecution in Ukraine. The accusation against Trump is that he was withholding money so that he could get an outcome with a prosecution in Ukraine. They are nearly identical stories. The difference, of course, being that Biden admitted to it a long time ago, and now it's a massive, huge mega impeachment story because Mick Mulvaney admitted it yesterday. And I think this is sort of complicated for the average person that maybe isn't listening to talk radio every day. You have to put yourself in the perspective of a voter that isn't you because you're sitting here listening to this every day. You've heard all these stories. You know all these audio clips. You've been following this stuff, but you're not average. I hate to tell you this, You're way too nerdy for this society, okay? You actually care. Remember the person who said to Ben Franklin, you know, what have you given us? And he's like, a republic, if you can keep it. Well, you're kind of trying to do that. That's not everybody else. There's a lot of people watching, you know, a lot of Kardashians. So this is, they don't see these stories and they don't understand every single, all the ins and outs here. We all know, uh, we we know Donald Trump enough. He's been around. He's been one of the most popular and well-known figures in American society for nearly 40 years. This is not some, we know what Donald Trump's like. One of the reasons why he's in office is because we, we like the idea that he's coming out and he's just saying the stuff, right? He's, he's saying all the stuff that people accuse politicians of. Some of it good, some of it bad. He's coming out and admitting it. He's saying, you know what? Yeah, I do this. And yeah, I do that. It's one of the things people really like about him. And I just wish we could skip to the end of the story where we realize that, look, Donald Trump, every interaction he has, he's asking people about uh, Ukraine and what Joe Biden did there. That's probably, that's probably true. Every time he gets into an Uber, he asks the person, hey, you know, hey, what do you know about you, you, you know, Biden and Ukraine? You ever drive him around? Was he ever talking about it? Hey, uh, Taco Bell delivery guy, did you ever talk to, what about you? You over there. How about you? The guy who's fixing his electricity. Did he know anything about, about Biden? Does he know? That's what Trump does. Can we skip to the end of that story and admit that that's just what's happening here? It's what he cares about. So when, what he cares about is what he talks about. And that's what people like about Trump. And it's hard, I think, for the average person to look at this and say, say, wait a minute, it's just us. Why is this happening? Is this true? Is it fair the way the media is treating him? We'll get into that in 60 seconds. It's Stu in for Glenn. Uh, coming up, we have a bunch on what's going on in Syria, and we have a massive impact to our economy right around the corner. And a bunch more important, you know, stories that Glenn prioritized less than a Lady Gaga concert. Those are all uh, coming up here on the program uh, today. First, I want to talk to you a little bit about impeachment here, um, because as you know, the Democrats are 
have, have such pure intent. This is not political for them. This is constitutional. The Constitution lives in every Democrat's soul, in the depths of their soul. Every day they wake up and they have their, their, their comforters, on their comforters, in their, in, their, in their beds that are just like yours and don't cost a dime more. It's printed the Constitution. As they wake up, they're forced to read it because it's so ingrained in every cell of their bodies. That is who Democrats are, especially Nancy Pelosi. She takes special care for all of the Botox to not hit the areas where the Constitution is in her cells because she doesn't want to kill off those cells. It's important. It's important to her. Here she is talking about the impeachment process and how she doesn't want to do this. This is this is not her. She just feels the dramatic responsibility to do it. Listen. Uh, I'm very proud of the work of Count, uh, Chairman Adam Schiff. Uh, again, this is so solemn. None of us came to Congress to impeach a president. That's not what we come here to do. Oh, no. And any such actions are mm. to be taken very solemnly and seriously. Very in my solemnly. view, prayerfully. Oh, yes. Oh, see, it's not even. I should have. I undersold it. It's not just in each and every cell. It is in her soul. She's prayerfully impeaching this president. Why do you keep criticizing her? Do you not like religion? What is the problem with you Republicans? Nancy Pelosi does not want to impeach this president, but she feels she must. And I have news for you. No one comes into Congress with the idea that they want to impeach a president. That is not why they do it. Here's Rashida Tlaib from her victory speech on election night. People love you and you win. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won. Bullies don't win. And I said, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there. We're going to impeach the. Wow, it's uh, it's a little inconvenient. And that's just one of many who supported impeachment before they got into office. They do go to impeach the president. And many of them are doing it specifically for those reasons. And Ukraine is just the latest, greatest, easiest option. The Mueller report didn't work out so well. So we move on to another former Soviet territory. Jason Buttrell uh, is with us. He is uh, Glenn's uh, head researcher, also uh, a host of the uh, Pat Gray Unleashed program this morning. You get that podcast <laughs> right. and, and check it out. Uh, Jason, uh, before we get into Syria, because I want to make sure we, we cover that today, there's some pretty big stuff going on there. Uh, these news cycles at this point are, are insane. insane. Let's start with uh, Ukraine. Washington Post has a story. If you missed it, it just came out. George Kent, he's a deputy assistant secretary of state under Obama said that they did go to Biden during the Obama administration and warn him about the conflict of interest and corruption that was going on potentially with Hunter Biden and Burisma in Ukraine. This is the first time we're hearing from an Obama official admitting what we all knew, but also kind of their awareness of it and the fact that they went to Biden and as, they, as he testified, Biden did nothing about it. Is, how big of a deal is this? I don't, 
what's what's amazing to me is that more i mean there's got to be more people that are going to come forward about this i mean it's so blatantly obvious that there was a conflict of interest going on as many people have pointed out you can't even have the appearance of corruption yeah and that's in the ethics code for every government employee right so you're telling me that there's nobody in the administration that was like wait a minute like he probably <laughs> shouldn't be working for this company while the vice president his father is the lead point man in ukraine that just smells bad if if, if anything but i don't i don't know like i i read that report and they said that the reason why they didn't bring that, that they didn't bring it up to Biden at the time that hey this looks kind of awful mm-hmm. is because he was dealing with his son Bo at the time. Yeah, and look, that is uh, undoubtedly tragic and horrible. But I don't know that uh, I have a family issue is an excuse available to the vice president of yeah. the United States, right? Like, uh, you know, it sucks, and every everybody's human. And yes, it would be very difficult, but he was able to deal with Ukrainian policy through this period. He was able to deal with everything else that we know about in in his job. This is the one thing he couldn't deal with with his own son potentially involved in corruption. And you'd think, if anything, you'd have a hyper interest in protecting your, your children in that moment. And, you know, this is not only bad for Joe Biden, it's bad for Hunter Biden. I like the quotes uh, in that article where that this official in this testimony was saying that, you know, we kind of thought that maybe it, it wasn't a good look if we're trying to, you know, teach those Ukrainians that <laughs> to avoid conflicts of interest and corruption when this is happening. It was, I, 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 lo- I, I love that fact. I, I also love the fact that they keep saying, like, look, president, I mean, the vice president did nothing wrong here. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong here. Right. Um, pretty true. Really? Well, nothing illegal. At well, least. Nothing illegal, mm-hmm. right? Um, that and that's not really. I, I, I think you know Giuliani and Trump are, might be searching for something else along those lines. Mm-hmm. But we've been pretty, you know, I think consistent with that from the beginning. Is like we're not saying they committed a crime. No. But we're just trying to shine a light on how ridiculous this is. This is something that, and I guarantee you, there's people on both the left and the right that are furious that this has come out in this way. Mm-hmm. I, they've got to be furious at Joe Biden for being so public with how they went about all this. Because they've been everywhere. Politicians have been lining their pockets for years, for of decades. Yeah. Um, and the families of politicians. And, and that's how they do that's it. That's the family business. Exactly. For a lot of these people. Yep. They, I mean, they, they can't align their pockets with, like, they, like, he couldn't send his wife off, you know, to Ukraine. Because that would immediately get reported, and that would be a violation. Yep. But it doesn't, those rules don't hold water for the sons or the daughters or the friends or the family. So convenient. You've got to. The, the Peter Schweizer... Uh, what is uh, Secret Empires? Yes. I believe. Mm-hmm. You have got to read that. It is insane. There is, I mean, and the Biden stuff is really a small portion of the book. Yeah. And I can't believe that's the only thing that's getting light right now. But the Obama stuff involving his friends and like his his crusade, it also show you about the climate agenda, which I know you could go all Ooh, year on. Yeah. But it shows about how the at times when uh, Obama was talking about carbon taxes, you know, and everyone was talking about how, you know, we need to shut down them coal plants and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Biden's fr- friends are investing in these companies that he's saying we need to shut down. Uh, the off drill, offshore drilling. Uh, they're, they're, mm. He was like talking, you know, all this all this trash about them. While he's doing that, his friends are investing into those companies. Then when he backed off, all the money they that they uh, that, that, that they dumped into for shares, <laughs> yeah. now all of a sudden they're millionaires. Mm-hmm. This politics this is, is incredibly dirty. This is it's how insane. it works. That's how it works. Let me ask you one more question on this front before we move to Syria. It, over and over again, it's reported that Hunter Biden was receiving fifty thousand dollars a month from uh, Burisma. However, that number is low. 
Do we know what the real number is? Because there was multiple payments of, what, over $100,000 to Hunter Biden through this time period. Do you know what the number, uh, the actual number is? I don't remember the full number. It seems like we looked at it and it was around two. I don't want to say for sure, but it seems like it was around 200000 Around 200000 Okay, that's what I remember, too. And this it's important because people keep throwing this $50,000 a month out, and that's not nothing. That's a lot of money, especially when your job is to work two days a month or two days a year. Isn't it two days a year? I mean, he was only he was only a board member. It wasn't like he had daily responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious he was getting paid for the influence and the appearance of influence. Right. And I, I don't I don't I don't know. I, I, I don't even know if we know the specific number or not, because like this. Another thing that Peter Schweizer, you know, found is that. You know, according to bank records, official bank records, he was getting money directly into his bank account from anonymous LLCs in places like Ukraine, uh, China, there's some very off the wall places like mm. I think Kazakhstan, some other uh, some other stuff. Are you telling me that this guy who had zero experience, uh, zero ability to do this job and he's getting these anonymous payments from all over the world during that time frame when his dad is engaging on foreign policy all over the world? I'm sorry, that that is ridiculously dirty i don't know if we'll ever find out how much money the biden family actually funneled into their bank accounts during that time mm. ridiculous amazing all right let's look at uh, syria here uh so let me give you this analogy that i heard and it was interesting to me so i'm going to completely steal it i don't remember <laughs> who i'm stealing it from uh so uh, the idea of explaining this whole syria thing was the, the analogy i heard was it's basically like canada is invading north dakota okay <laughs> Canada is invading North Dakota. The people in North Dakota are hanging out there. They're fighting back now. We were in North Dakota before. We were protecting North Dakota. We pull out. Canada invades North Dakota because they just got to have North Dakota. Okay. Uh, They start fighting. Then we get a ceasefire, which says, okay, the North Dakotans can move out and go to South Dakota. Okay. We're going to give you five days to get to South Dakota. And then Canada is going to move in and have... North Dakota. And at the end of this, Canada kind of gets what they want here. Or in the Turkey, the actual analogy, Turkey kind of gets what they want. They want a 20-mile buffer into Syria because they've had all sorts of problems legitimately with terrorist attacks and things like that. They want to protect their people. They believe they have the right to this land. They want to protect themselves. So we have this ceasefire right now. Hostilities are, are stopping for five days. And the Kurds are going to pull out of these areas, at least the innocent Kurds, right? The people who aren't fighting, at least. And then the warriors are most likely going to stay and fight, and we're going to be right back to bloodshed in a few minutes. Uh, accurate? How does that How does that look to you? I mean, I see what they're saying. Uh, somewhat similar in the fact that uh, I would. I'm assuming they're th- saying that Canada has everything to gain in this. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of this this uh, the ceasefire, what happens? Right. We if the fighting starts up again. And then we can plausibly say, look, you know, they're fighting. We gave them a chance to get out of there and they're just still fighting. There's nothing we can do for them anymore. We've given them that chance and now we're done. Yeah. So Turkey, there's there's a few things that Turkey wants to get out of this. And this is so ridiculously complicated. I'm going to try and like do what you've seen on network TV, which is make, which is not break it down. I'm going to try and do what they don't do, which they never do this in a way that you can understand it at all. All right. Let's see. Like you have a PhD or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to act really dumb. Okay. Uh, which is easy for me. And then you explain it to me. <laughs> have you ever seen... Okay, I'll do my own analogy. Maybe sure. they will do it. So have you ever seen the movie Far and Away with Tom Cruise? <laughs> Who the hell? You have the weirdest references You've to movies. Seen that? Yes, I saw okay, it. Okay. And I've forgotten every part about it. Because it was like the least memorable Tom Cruise movie in history. Well, this was... Oh, how dare you, sir? Oh. It was an awesome movie. I love that. 
So remember what the whole premise, though, was they were trying to get to Oklahoma because I'm not going to screw North Dakota. We're doing Oklahoma okay. on this one. Mm-hmm. So the whole point in, in that one was there was a huge land grab, member, and everyone was rushing out there to try and scoop up the land. Okay. So uh, I you, don't remember that at all in this movie. At the end? I, I think I would have told you the movie took place in Ireland. <laughs> Ireland it begins there. Okay, it does. Okay, all right, good. All right, good. Okay, the Oklahoma so, land grab. Oklahoma land grab. So basically what's going on right now with multiple different power vacuums, specifically in, nor- in, in northern Syria, is the Oklahoma Sooner land grab. And Turkey are the ones right now. Turkey is Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. They rushed out there and they're planting their flag down in there. And they're saying, look, this is the territory we want. This is basically what they're doing, but they're not telling everyone that. Uh, If you think that those Turkish forces are going to leave... That's that's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. They're never going to send it. Send a, put a timetable on when they're going to pull out. I think they're just there that because they're there. Yeah, they want that territory. They want a buffer between them and, and the Kurds. They want this land. They believe it's theirs. Right. And the thing is that the Kurds do not pose an imminent threat to them, so they didn't have to go in and do this. Mm-hmm. They're seeing an opportunity right now, and they took it. Now I'm not sure what agreements the Trump administration made with Erdogan to to be able to you know for, for however trump was convinced to pull out but it happened mm-hmm. but they are not leaving there anytime soon and erdogan is erdogan right now is pre- almost the the rebirth of the ottoman empire i believe he's channeling ottoman uh nationalism i think that that's not the only land that they'll be looking to do iraq look out because you're probably next mm. but well we unless we stop them and then i guess that's the that's the argument for people who are saying let's stay is we want to stop this advance. And, you know, the other side is saying, well, we got to get out of here at some point, so let's just do it now. Trump has been saying that this is a brilliant move. Um, His rhetoric aside, it actually is a very, very smart way. Hear me me out here. I don't Mm -hmm. have enough time to explain this. not too much. Go ahead. But it's a very, very smart way to reorient the region how it's naturally been. So what I say is Russia is an enemy of Turkey. But this whole thing got them working together. Mm-hmm. Syria is an enemy of Turkey, but they've been working together. Iran is an enemy of Turkey. But now, now if you look at it, the Russians and the Syrians are pointing their guns at Turkey instead of them both pointing their guns at us. It's more of the, the traditional alignment of these countries. Exactly. Which years and years and years of us being there has really upset the balance. Um, the traditional people that are suspicious of one another are now orienting back to the way it should be. All right. Uh, Jason Butcher will have more of uh, that. And we have, uh, we're have we going to talk a little bit about that podcast here in a second as well. It's Stu in for Glenn on the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It's Stu in for Glenn. I'm at World of Stu on Twitter. Jason, what's your Twitter thingy? At Jason Buttrell. There you go. You should follow uh, both of us uh, because that's just the right thing to do for America, for, for your future. Um, another right thing to do is Glenn has a podcast coming out this weekend, and it's a big one. It's an exclusive. It is with someone who was there at a lot of these meetings with Ukraine, who saw the corruption firsthand. I've never seen him in- interviewed in this sort of depth, and I've never seen him really interviewed much at all. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what the podcast is going to be coming out tomorrow on, uh, on wherever you get your podcasts. So the podcast is with uh, Glenn and Andre Teleshenko. He was a political officer uh, that worked here in the U.S. Embassy. He was also a high-level uh, uh, political officer, also in Ukraine, worked for the uh, prosecutor general and a few other people. He was there at a lot of these things. A lot of the things you're going to hear about in the impeachment inquiry, a lot of the things you've heard about uh, debunked, air-quoted. In, uh, in certain publications like the Post and the New York Times, he was actually there. 
and it's absolutely baffling. No and, one was wanting to talk to And this. he holds nothing back in this interview. Nothing. Uh, the podcast, wherever podcasts are sold, you can listen to this one. It's coming out tomorrow. You're listening to Glenn Beck.